You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. Welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is episode 22. We're talking about Daddy Ball today, guys. What is Daddy Ball? How does it affect the dynamic? Just a couple things we are going to cover here today. And Jessica, um, I believe you mentioned your dad was your coach when you were were growing up. Do you have any personal experience with Daddy Ball? And do you want to just lead us into the start of this conversation on the podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad was my coach from about 10U up until about 14U. And I'll, um, I'll share some personal experiences here in a little bit. But first and foremost, um, to answer the question, like, what is daddy ball? So um, my uh, obviously opinionated response would be that daddy ball is a negative connotation or a negative connotation that is attached to a parent that is coaching a team that their their child is on um i say negative in terms of daddy ball um where decisions are made that influence playing time or preferential treatment or spots in the lineup or how that player is treated um and in correlation to their teammates because their parent is a coach so Daddy ball specifically is the negative term when things are not going how they should with a, a coach and child relationship on that team. I do want to reiterate that um, there are some fantastic parent coaches out there, um, you guys each being one of them, um, and then my dad as well. So I think that parents coaching teams is absolutely doable. You have some very knowledgeable player or parents out there. They've played the game before. Um, they've grown up kind of through the through the softball journey, and they could be extremely helpful. But daddy ball specifically is when there's a negative experience or a a negative um, tone or relationship with that parent coaching their child on the team. I would absolutely agree. Um, Heather, how can daddy ball in the way of which Jessica just kind of outlined, how could it impact the team dynamic? Yeah, it has a big impact. Um, so first, first of all, I think that's probably most obvious in my experiences, at least from, from the stands. So your, your parents on the team are, are going to notice, you know, here and there that, Oh, you know, so-and-so's kid is, you know, getting a lot of playing time or maybe they're not being pushed as hard in the conditioning or maybe, I don't know, just feels like they're getting um, some, some opportunities that maybe they haven't quite earned. Um, that That's when you have that view kind of from the stands and you have the big picture view, it, it can be very easy to, to spot. Um, but I don't, I want every, all the parents out there and the coaches out there to realize that it's not lost on the on the players either. And I'm not talking like, you know, you're 16 and 18 that that might be noticing some some things that are different. But I mean, kids as young as seven and eight years old can tell when there's a player on the team that's getting treated differently. And it absolutely changes the team dynamic. Um, it's it kind of it really destroys that team bonding um, aspect of the of a, of a softball team. You know, you can't really bond with your teammates if your teammate is just, you know, getting, you know, easy steps ahead um, because they're getting preferential treatment. So it really is, it's, it does destroy the team dynamic and it really weakens the team as a whole. 
How do you guys think, um, you know, I, I, I know, again, just you said you, you played for your dad, but how can it affect, you know, that parent-child relationship as well, do you think? I mean, the player clearly knows as well. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, like Heather said, the, the child knows even from a young age and parents also that are coaching, it's it's a very, very difficult task to be able to coach a team where you have 10, 11, 12 young ladies and best interest at heart. You have a goal of winning. You're probably also focusing on development, but then also like trying to manage your kid and expectations and growth and just being able to balance all of those things. So um, it's really important that you're kind of able to um, separate those roles into silos where as a coach, um, you're saying, okay, here's what's best for the team. Here's what gives us the best chance to win. Um, also recognizing that um, this player hasn't gotten as many reps or innings. And a part of that too can be managed through um, through pool games. So, okay, hey, this player needs to be developed, but they're maybe not as far along as we'd like them to be to keep the team competitive and put the team in the best position to win. Let's get them some reps during pool games or extra during practice and things like that. Um, but in terms of the actual dynamic between the player themselves and their parent, which is a coach, um, I, I'm going to probably reference this throughout the rest of our conversation, but I think a large part of it goes back to just the ability to communicate with your player, um, in terms of communicating expectations of them, uh, communicating like, things about practice or maybe even talking to them ahead of time, including them in the practice plans or what they know and maybe expect at practice so that they have a game plan of what they're going to be doing. But then also um, maybe on the way home or after games, also kind of going back to those previous conversations that we've had on communicating um, with your kids in the ride home, but respecting their communication style and finding a balance of what works for the relationship between you as a coach and your child. And that will take some, 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 that will take some um, trying and failing and trying and failing again until you find something that works specifically for your relationship. Now, as a coach, Heather, how can daddy ball be avoided? So this is, a tough one. And it's one, um, since I've been coaching my daughter for basically her whole softball career, um, I've been really aware of because I don't ever want uh, parents or any of the other players thinking that um, I'm not giving everyone a fair chance. Um, so one of the things that um, that I try to do is to, is to always kind of question myself when I when I say I'm going to put my daughter at a certain spot in the lineup. Or, or a position in the field um, for whatever game, um, I try to look, step, take a step back, think, okay, wait, is this the right decision for the team in this situation? Is this going to help the team uh, win the game or say like if it's in a pool game or something, is it going to help the team develop to where we can be more, more competitive in the future? So ha being able to take a step back, ask that question, and then be honest with my answers is huge. Because if well, I, I ask question and I'm not honest well what was the point of asking the question anyway no, I'm pretty excited you hit on the developmental portion because like you like like there's no question obviously how how you coach Heather but like hearing that in and of itself like you're already talking and having an open open-ended conversation about thinking about the future of the team not just what's best for the team today or in the moment or in this instance and I'm sure there's going to be instances right like as you coach to where 
you're doing with Bedford right now, but just the developmental impact, of course. Um, it's it's just it's so key, and I'm glad you said it because I was oh man, I was typing it out. I'm like, I'm gonna slow this in here, and Heather's gonna say, That's a great point, Mike, but you made the point before I got to it. So good <laughs> on you. Um, Jessica, as a player, what can you do about Daddy Ball? Um, if you're on the other end of the, you know, of the sphere, speaking of it in a negative way. Yeah. So first off, I'm going to add to Heather's point as a coach on how it can be avoided. Um, One thing, and again, going back to communication, but one thing that um, might be helpful is with a team of several coaches, have these conversations about your lineup decisions, your rostering positions, have those as a group so that it's not one person's decision or one person's influence so that you can bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and, and that will also help you kind of stay accountable and hold in check. If it is a perception of daddy ball or, or whatever that might be. Um, also if you make coaching decisions where, um, it's best for the team, but it means that one player may not get as many reps. Or um, if you're putting the the coach's player, um, the coach's child in a position over a, another player, have that conversation with the player as to why that decision was made before anyone else has the opportunity to question it. So what I mean is if you um, want to play so-and-so, um, but um, she's not the best option for the team, let's say at first base that game, but maybe she's a DH or hitter or whatever, um, have the conversation with her. Hey, in this game, we're going to go with this other player because of this, this, and this. Um, I just want to give you a heads up, but stay ready because we might need you to run or hit or put you in later in the game. Just make sure you're paying attention. Um, so making sure you just kind of have those conversations along the way. Um and then there was another one, but I'm having a hard time remembering it right now. So um, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll throw that back in there. But um, so, so what I'm ahead, hearing, Mike. Jessica, is communication, communication, communication. You know, as I've done the research and and, and like I always say done the research because I didn't place like level softball like like you ladies did. But like go, going through it, you know, I, I see a lot of, you know, 10U and 12U, even through 14U, the rosters are kind of small, like they're 10 to 12-ish. As you're getting older, from what I've seen, like the rosters get to 15, 16, like especially on the national circuit. I have friends with daughters who are playing on that and, and nationals, and, you know, the, that high level that as they as they have, you know, got gotten older. And I think also just the communication. And I just keep going back to that word communication that you said, like it's only going to get the girls prepared as well for when the rosters and sizes do increase. Right. Like yes. right now, a, a lot of the rosters are smaller. So like. If you're not getting that quote unquote rep you want this game, there's still going to be another opportunity. I mean, we have a big thing where, like, we don't typically ever, 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 ever sit kids for the entire game. Correct? Like, we just correct. We, we just don't. And if, I mean, and if it happens, it's an oversight that's worth a conversation. Um, ah. but that that reminds me of my next of the point that I was thinking about earlier, Mike. Um. I, I, my coaching style is I'm, I'm a planner in all things of life. I know you guys have heard me talk about my family and my husband's schedule and all of that, but I like to, once, once pool games are released and brackets are released, I, I like to plan out the entire tournament in an ideal situation. Obviously things are not going to go exactly as planned, but I like to say, okay, like first pool game, we're going to go this pitcher catcher combo with these positions. And then second pool game, we're going to go this so that we have this combo for first bracket. And if we win, we're like just trying to play out as many scenarios as possible. And then also um, even during the games themselves for, especially for like, 
six, you eight, you 10, you 12, you, where you're trying to balance development, um, balance playing time, and then also stay competitive and win. I actually, um, I kind of outlined three innings worth of gameplay where each inning, I literally draw columns, I put positions in there. And then the next inning, I move people where I want them to the next inning, I do the same so that real time, I can focus on the game that's playing out in front of me, but also have those girls in positions where they're moving them around. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because there's there's a lot going on. There's it's it's hard to manage anything real time. So I just I feel like that's very helpful doing it ahead of time so that you can um, focus on the development, get the girls reps in and things like that. Um, Mike, I'm going to go back to your to your question that you asked me earlier as a player. What can you do about daddy ball? Um, I think it's I think it's worth an honest conversation as parent coaches with your child in the first place. Hey, one, are you okay with me coaching your team? Um, It's going to be different. Um, It just I want to make sure you're okay with this before I commit to it. Two, um, as a parent coach, here are the expectations that I have for you as a player. Um, and you can kind of outline, outline whatever those look like, um, maybe, um, first on the field when you're put in positions or, or the first one in the dugout between drills or, um, leading conditioning or whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, and then being able to set those expectations as a parent coach. And then as a player, making sure that you are fulfilling those expectations so that there's no, there's no opportunity for anyone to say anything negative about your parent being a coach on the team. So out, out hustling the teammates, out working your teammates, making sure that you're not only working, but you're um, improving, that you're making quality adjustments. You're making the most of your time. Um, always being respectful to all coaches, especially your parent coach. Um, because again, that's a fine line for, for parents and players. So making sure that you're treating them with the respect that you would any other coach, um, not just as a parent, um, having a good attitude, being a good teammate, just going above and beyond to make sure that you're doing those things so that the daddy ball term doesn't even like come into right. anyone's mind. So just those sound like, those sound like, like the, the player has a responsibility to prevent the daddy ball label from being applied. Um, which seems like it could be really, really difficult for like a, a younger player to even realize. So, um, one of the things is like as a coach you can do when you have when you're coaching your kid is to have those conversations with your kid and let them you know explain to them you know as they're since they're younger and they may not you know might not register right away or at least in those ways you know you have to have those conversations with your kid and tell them that you know I you want me to coach you or you know we've or we've talked about it and we've agreed that I'm going to coach you and in order for everyone to see that this is fair and I'm not just giving you all the opportunities out there because I'm not going to give you all the opportunities for free. Um, this is what I need from you and what I expect from you. And to really explain it in clear terms for those younger players. No, Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, anything else you guys want to add on the topic of daddy ball? I mean, I think, I think this one's a pretty straightforward uh, topic. I'll add one thing. Um, so daddy ball can have a, a, a real impact on like individual players on a team who are not the coach's kids, because um, let's say you have a, a coach's kid that's getting um, playing time or a lineup spot that maybe you might feel like uh, another player serves. And when that player is repeatedly um, overlooked or passed over in 
in um, for that coach's kid, they, they, you know, they pick up on this and they start questioning themselves. They start thinking, well, am I not, am I not very good? You know, do I need to put more work in? Um, and so they put more work in and they do the, do they do what, you know, should be expected of them to get more play, playing time in those opportunities, but then they continue to be passed over and uh, it really gets to them. It can destroy their confidence. It can even destroy their love of the game. Um, so it's really, really important, not just for like the, the, the team as a whole, but like each for each individual's kid, um, each individual kid's just sort of well-being and spot on the team and in life, like it can really make an impact impact on them. So you're not when you're a coach and you're, you know, you're playing daddy ball, you're not just, you know, helping out your kid, you're impacting every kid on that team. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true, Heather. And making sure that you encourage those players that are not, well, all of your players in general, but especially the players that are not a coach's kid to be comfortable um, speaking up about what they want or their questions or their concerns and making sure as a coach you're approachable and able to have those conversations in a way that's constructive and um, helps them understand and, and hopefully reach whatever goal it is that they have in mind. Um, another thing that I wanted to add to just from the parent perspective. Um, and when I say parent, I mean a parent that is not a, not a coach that is a parent of another child on the team or um, looking to be on the team. Uh, we talk about those conversations and questions you need to ask before joining a team. So if you've had a negative experience or if it's something that you're concerned about or things like that, um, it's worth asking before you commit to a team. Hey, okay, I noticed you have a player on the team. What position do they play? Like, so if there is any potential conflict with your with your child, you know ahead of time if that's something that you would like to work through or um, still pursue an opportunity to join that team or if it's a red flag for you as a parent. Um, everybody's going to feel differently in terms of parent coaches. And I will tell you, especially at the younger levels, the 6U, 8U, 10U, 12U, um, there are a ton of parent coaches because the, the I guess, the more elite coaches or the um, I don't know what the right word is exactly, but the the coaches that are maybe ex-college kids or have been around a while or parts of big organization, they're going to be uh, working with the girls that um, understand the game. They have good mechanics. They're maybe at a recruiting level or they're, um, they're just playing the game at a higher, more competitive level. So you're going to see more parent coaches at the younger ages. So just making sure that you're prepared to not only ask questions before joining a team, but also um, respecting the coach's communication style and getting ahead of any concerns or issues that you might have instead of waiting too long to say something and then um, like something imploding on the team and just messing with the chemistry of the entire group. So being able to have those conversations as the thoughts arise instead of waiting until it's kind of too late. Couldn't agree more again. I think these are all really good points and a lot of things to to think at um of think at to think on. And I think I think this kind of I think this goes back to the whole open practices and all that stuff, kind of getting a tenor for the type of coaches they are. If you know, like you said, in the younger age groups, there's likely going to be a parent involved. So um anything else you guys would like to add before we wrap up this episode of the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast? Mike, I think you touched on something important there. Um 
uh, the open Excellent. practices. <laughs> the open practices. I know we've we've worked a lot with that with our organization, but um, I love tryouts for girls, but it's a love hate relationship. Um, I love seeing how they perform under pressure, seeing how they perform in an in an uncomfortable setting where they don't know a lot of people, maybe, or they have coaches that are asking them to do things that they might not have done before whether they ask questions, whether they just go through the motions without speaking up or asking questions, how they hustle, how they work. But I also don't like tryouts because the the players and the parents don't really get to see as much interaction and coaching style from the coaches themselves. So I always encourage um, families, especially when there are parent coaches involved, to request open practices. Um, if you get an invitation to join a team and, you, and you're interested, just politely tell them, hey, we're super interested, um, but I'd really like to see how you guys do things. Do you mind if we join you for a couple practices before I give you a final decision? Um, I think that's huge. And that will also give you some insight into expectations through the rest of the season before you have to commit to that team, like long-term. All right. Well, Heather, anything to add on that? No, I think I'm, I think she got it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up then on the fundamental fast pitch. This was episode 22, which was daddy ball. The next episode of the podcast will be about slapping one-on-one where Jessica Tanner will showcase her immense ability to talk without taking a breath potentially. But until next time, thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe, share, and like across all of our social media platforms and have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody.